When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to the 104.6.1 podcast. It's your boy Kev coming in with episode 8. Now, for a warning, this is an almost entirely all Yankees podcast slash all Dallas Mavericks podcast episode. If you don't like it, tough shit, but here we go. So, uh, the Yankees are obviously on a massive tear. In particular, Aaron Judge is hitting the baseball better than I've seen him hit in a long time. You could argue... Injuries, you can argue inconsistency, whatever. It makes no difference. The fact is, the man's a tank. He hit, what was it, five home runs in five consecutive games, and then he hit a second one in that game to make it six home runs in five games. And, of course, yesterday he didn't hit one against the Philadelphia Phillies. But he, of course, went out, I think, about two for three. And, I mean, the Yankees are 8-1, and one, best record in baseball. Like I said last episode, I'm pretty sure that means... We're winning the World Series. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Uh, the National Series, like I had stated, doesn't really count to me. We didn't play them at full capacity. We didn't play them at full strength. Regardless, we lost the game in the series, and we are 8-1 and one moving forward to continue the Philadelphia Series tonight, tomorrow, and Thursday. And I'm just, I'm just hoping that we continue and keep this up. I mean, everybody's hitting right now, and uh, everybody's kind of on pace to shatter records I mean we're only playing 60 games but the point of the matter is we we just seem like we can't be stopped I I feel like personally bias aside we're a very good well-rounded team but we are struggling on the starting pitching portion of it other than Garrett Cole our starting pitchers are atrocious James Paxton Paxi, I don't know what's going on bro you gotta wake up we are not looking good on that front. Obviously, uh, Tanaka got hit with the line drive thanks to Stanton in practice, so he's limited. We had Jordan Montgomery come back from Tommy John, and he's looking great. Unfortunately, we lost Tommy Canehill to uh, Tommy John as well. So, I mean, you know, but we have rookies stepping in. We have Michael King looking like a beast. I mean, other than the missed pitch in the National Series and the two missed pitches the other night against Boston, um... Our rookie pitching looks pretty solid. I mean, we have a lot of players coming up in the system. We have a lot of players, you know, stepping up when we need them to. Obviously, Chad Green and uh, Britton, Chapman's coming back. We have a lot of people at the tail end of the bullpen coming in clutch, doing what they need to do to really shut it down. But uh, we're really going to need our starters to step it up because we haven't really played anybody competitive. I mean, no disrespect to the Nationals. Again, we didn't play them at full strength, but it's the point. We are not going to play anybody to the next series, I believe, which is the Rays. And if I'm reading this correctly, we don't play the Rays until, oh, it says postponed. Oh, no, I read it. Sorry, Friday the 7th. So we go right into Tampa and we go and play them. And uh, that's going to be our test to me just because they're another young team. They're another team that's up and coming. They're another team that I have circled on my calendar as an interest watch. I mean, if we're being honest, other than the Phillies, we played the Nats, we played the Red Sox, and the Orioles, and I mean, no disrespect to Baltimore, I'm not really worried, Glaber Torres alone owns the, the Orioles, and then the Red Sox are a shell of what they used to be, with obviously Chris Sale being out for the year, uh, J.D. Martinez not as consistent, as hot as he was a couple of years ago in his MVP season, Mookie Betts is obviously out there in, in L.A., speaking of L.A., speaking of the Dodgers. Shout out to Joe Kelly and fuck baseball. Should I say, excuse me, fuck the MLB for suspending him eight games, which according to the math, the eight game suspension in a 60 game season is equivalent to 22 games in a 162 game regular season. Let that sit in. For those of you that are not aware of the Joe Kelly incident, let me break it down for you. So the Dodgers are playing the Astros, right? And I forget where they were exactly. I forget if Houston was home or L.A. was home. Doesn't make a difference, right? Carlos Correa is at the plate. And Carlos Correa gets pitched inside. 
Carlos Correa. You know, close calls, but bad pitches. You know what I'm saying? It could have been the warning sign that everybody knows. It's the, like I said, the unspoken rule of baseball. If you get pegged, you get pegged. That's baseball players' ways of retaliating for their cheating scandal. Again, you can make it the ball got away from him. Could have been a, you know an off-speed pitch that just slipped. Nevertheless, the ball's never officially made contact with Correa. Later in the at-bat, Correa strikes out. So no contact was made. Pitches were thrown. You know, faces were made. You know, words were exchanged on the walk away from the inning because that strikeout ended the inning. Uh, Correa's staring at him. Correa's looking him down. Joe Kelly kind of makes the crying face, a little like, eh, like cry to your mom. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that little like, eh, that underlip. And then he uh, he starts, you know, mouthing off to him. They start mouthing off back and forth. It ends up leading the benches to clear. And then what happens? Nothing because, you know, you can't really social distance if you get into an all-out brawl. But the point is it all transpired from Joe Kelly putting his foot in the dirt and saying, you know what, I'm not taking this shit. You guys cheated. You guys don't look hot right now. So he did, he, did, he did what he wanted to do. Again, it's the unwritten rule in baseball. You know what I'm saying? Baseball players are going to take it into their own hands. Baseball players are really going to go out there and do what they feel is right and get their justice however they seem fit. But for baseball to suspend him eight games when he didn't even make any contact, there were no fists thrown. It, it, it's insane to me. That's how Manfred wants to go. And and look to the public. That's how Manfred wants to go look to his players. I think it's a load of shit. I think it's terrible. I'm I'm literally furious. Again, Joe Kelly doesn't exactly have an upstanding reputation with a lot of Yankee fans for the past. But in this case, we can give him a pass because he went out there and stood his... Like I said, he put his foot in the ground. He said, yo, I ain't taking your shit no more. I'm going to do what I want to do. And he got eight games. Bro, like, I can't understand how Manfred's can't take away the title for the Astros or can't really give them a, 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 a real suspension. I'm using air quotes here. And all he did, like I said, I'm pretty sure a few episodes ago, was take away the draft pick, uh, suspend the managers. The managers ended up getting fired and then take some draft picks away. Or excuse me, I said, uh, the fine was given to them. But for Joe Kelly, losing grip of the baseball gets eight games. It's fucking crazy. It really is. I was talking about it. Shout out to my friend Rob. Uh, we were talking about it, and it, it just it, it doesn't make sense. Again, he's a Nationals fan for anybody that's confused. But everybody that follows baseball, everybody that loves baseball, the sport as a whole, it doesn't even matter the team. What the Astros did in cheating and stealing those signs in 2017 was ridiculously unfair. They cheated to the utmost. Sign stealing obviously happens. We all know that. Everybody has their own interpretation of trying to take them, but taking them, having them being recorded, and then making the sound effect in the dugout or over the trash can was, which it it just it just goes to show their batting averages aren't the same, their records aren't the same, and it just it's bittersweet. It really is. It's good to see them suffer, but I almost wanted them to be good enough to play them in a postseason where we would just slap them because I ain't worried about Boston. Boston ain't shit right now. Chris Sale is going to come back on that last year of his deal. Who knows what he does after that? Done. David Price, he's always been poop. Mookie Betts, gone. J.D. Martinez on the trade block. Xander Bogarts, congratulations, you have a shortstop. And then Devers at third. Yay. I'm shaking. Jackie Bradley Jr. is in his 30s. Again, not worried. The, The Yankees have stars lined up. Come on, Boston. Try us. We're, we're not worried about you. Good luck. Anyway, um, the point is, Kelly got the suspension. Baseball's livid. People that follow baseball are livid. Analysts are livid. And people are supporting him. He actually made a funny post on his Instagram. I don't know if he actually made it or somebody made it and then he posted it. But it was him sitting with his kids, but they photoshopped Jose Altuve, Alex Correa, and Bregman's faces over his kids. And the post pretty much just summed up was like, you know, you guys are all my kids. I don't regret what I did. Fuck the Astros. You know what I'm saying? He's always been a, a straightforward guy. But super kudos. Like, I, 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 I shout you out, Joe Kelly. I know you're never going to hear this. But from a, from a Yankee fan, from a baseball fan, we all agree and stand by what you did. Even though it was nothing to get suspended over. But, you know, for you to go and take it into your own hands and do what you did and handle it the way that you did. And then go and post that, man. Shout out to you because that was, that was dope. It really was. And for that, you know, I really I really fuck with you for that, you know? So I I really don't know. 
the Astros. I can't wait to play them. I really can't. I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I'm trying to find out where it is we're scheduled to play. If we even do with baseball being revised, I don't even think we do this season. We have everything on the East Coast, if I'm seeing this correctly. We got the Mets, the Red Sox, the the Blue Jays, wherever they decided to play. We got the Marlins, but they're coming to New York at the end of September. Yeah, um, we're going to need to... We're going to need to test them. We got the Braves. We're going to need to figure that out, man. I am not happy with seeing any Florida teams right now, including the Rays. But nevertheless, you know, we, we, we got East Coast teams. We're trying to limit all interaction, all flights that are major. Um, from what I've been reading, it's it's we're just trying to be as careful as possible. They're trying to be as careful as possible. What is this? I'm still scrolling. I'm still looking. Pirates. Yep, yep, yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we don't really have anything... For the Astros, unfortunately, we'll see them in the postseason when the postseason happens, and I, you know, if they get there, and when that happens, Aaron Judge is going to continue to to light it up. Aaron Judge has six home runs in the season. He's got eleven hits, batting three fourteen with fourteen RBIs and eleven runs. I don't even need to get into detail. If you watch any sports highlights, all of these baseball highlights show Aaron Judge hitting moonshots all over the diamond, everywhere. Excuse me. Just had some mint chocolate chip ice cream. Woo. Fire. Shout out to Publix. Um, Aaron Judge is just on a whole other level of, 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 of baseball right now. And the best part is he got interviewed the other night, and I'm pretty sure I scrolled through it on Twitter late at night, just, you know, listening to my Yankee stuff, following up, trying to get some numbers. And Aaron said something, or a reporter asked him, hey, you know, since you're locked in and in the zone, you know, how does it feel to be in the zone this early with, you know, baseball being 60 games and, you know, every game being as important as it is? You know what his answer was? I don't even think I'm in the zone. I'm not even there yet. I'm not even there yet. Can you guys, like, take that for what it is? Like, if this man is crushing the baseball this good and he's not even there yet, can you imagine when he is there? Even if you're not a Yankee fan, you got to appreciate it. The man is just crushing the baseball. And if you don't appreciate it, go fuck yourself because <laughs> he's coming to tear your team apart. If you don't walk him or you don't get in his head off speed in a way or low in a way, or even, I, I can't even say that because I've seen him take a slider low in a way to the opposite field. It, he's dangerous. That's all I'm going to say. Now on the opposite side of the spectrum... We have our our praised catcher, Gary Sanchez, right? Gary Sanchez, when he came into the league, hot, right? All-star, second in rookie of the year. Uh, he was, you know, one of the hottest players in baseball. Everyone was like, oh, my God, he's incredible. He's this, he's that. Great arm behind the plate, but he had to work on the past balls. You know what I'm saying? The way that Gary was managing games behind the plate, a lot of balls got past him. He's improved. He's gotten better. I think it was, what, 16 pass balls in 2017, and then he had like eight or nine the year before that, and then last year he had like seven. So, I mean, the numbers are getting there. The, the improvement is showing. But Gary's hurt a lot of the time too. You know what I mean? Gary is, what what what, what do we say in baseball? He's literally swing for the fences and hope it's a home run or he strikes out. And that's a lot of baseball players. You can argue that Judge is like that or earlier in his career. You can argue that John Carlos Stanton is like that a lot when he's not hitting home runs. They're not really much for put the ball in play like DJ LeMahieu, like Brett Gardner, you know what I'm saying? Like people that just strive for contact. You can tell that when Gary steps into the plate or into the box, I'm going to send this shit as far as I can and I'm going to be the hero. Now, that only goes so far, mind you. Baseball is a very strategic sport in my eyes. Obviously, you have to put the ball in play. It's not just swing and hope for the best. There is a lot more strategy that goes into it. If the shift is on, you got to pay attention to, hey, i got to try to put this opposite field. you got to worry about runners in scoring position. you got to worry about a pitch count. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a lot of things that go into it. you got to pay attention to a lot of factors, and I feel like Gary gets in there and he says, fuck it. I'm swinging, and I'm going for it. And that hurts. That sucks as a Yankee fan. It really does. And uh, shout out to my friend Matt, another friend of Rob's, who is a, was a massively big baseball enthusiast, massive big baseball fan. We always actually argue and bicker back and forth about, you know, Gary getting pulled, us not re-signing Gary. And that's me saying all the negatives because he is a big admirer of Gary Sanchez. Um, Gary Sanchez is a good baseball player. I'm not, I'm not shitting on that. I'm saying that he needs to improve quickly or we're going to have to pull him because I... I to be honest with you, 
I'm being crucially serious here, and I mean like I mean this as sincerely as possible. We have so much power on this lineup. We don't need you going 0 for 4 with three strikeouts because you want to decide to swing at every hanging curveball and then miss, or at every fastball that looks to be center of the plate. Dude, get your shit together, have some discipline, and focus. Because when we get into that postseason, when we get into the place where we need to be, we're going to need you to gun people down behind the plate on on people stealing second and third. We're going to need you to stop those pass balls for those crazy pitches that are inevitable that every pitcher has. But we're also going to need you to play better in the postseason. I have his postseason stats here. The man is batting 176. That's disgusting. In the Houston series, he was batting 130. In the Minnesota series, he was batting 125. That's just last year. In the Boston series in 2018, he batted 200. And that's only because he hit those two home runs. The season before that, or the the series before that in Oakland, zero. The year before, the Houston series, where we were cheated out of a year, 192 that same year against Cleveland 174 now I know what you're saying how many home runs does he have in all of those series it's got to be crazy six six in three years now mind you a lot of people are saying oh Kev those are all like you know in certain game scenarios no the ALCS is the best of seven in which we've played in two ALCSs and in the first ALCS against the Rock the uh, Astros 192 and in the seven-game series against Houston last year, where we lost in six, one fucking 30. I'm just saying. It, it, the proof is right here. I, I, I can't make it up, and it infuriates me. He's got 40 strikeouts in the postseason. 40! I get it. The man's talented. I get it. We don't have a lot behind him. We have our rookie Kyle Kashigoa or whatever his name is. And, and he's young and he's up and coming. We had Austin Romine last year. Again, I'm not saying that the guys behind him are better. But if our, I'm using quotes again, star catcher is going consistently 0 for 3, 0 for 4, 0 for 5, or, or 1 for 4. We're really going to need to reevaluate the catcher position. We can't keep doing this. The man was 0 for 15 before the other two nights, before two nights ago. He was 0 for 15 with 10 fucking strikeouts. Oh, Kev, calm down. The season just started. He's got to get into a rhythm. He's got to get into a groove. Yada, yada, yada. Cool. I got you. I ain't seen nothing from him yet. He had a double. He had an RBI double the other night against Boston. Cool. That was his second hit of the season. He's not even putting the ball in play. He's got so many. What, what is he having strikeouts this year? I can't, I, can't, I can't even see it. No, that's not even this year. Hold on. Hold on one second. Because I'm, I'm, I'm getting real tired of everybody like bashing me for bashing him. He's got 14 strikeouts and 25 at-bats. That's more than 50% of his at-bats. He's swinging and missing or he's watching a pitch blow right by him. He's batting point. Zero eight this season. Oh, oh my god, it's disgusting! Like, stop, stop it, please. He's got two hits. Again, I understand it's early. He's got to really like mentally get in there. But next season, I believe his contract's up, and we're gonna really need to sit here as a front office. And Cashman's got to sit there and say, "All right, we got Judge coming up." Stanton's contract's coming up in, in another year or two. You know, we got to re-sign DJ, and I and I say this just like I said with Judge. You give goddamn DJ LeMahieu a blank check because he is nothing but clutch. He is utility. We can play him at any position in the infield. And he's a goal glover. To me, there is no question between our best player and Aaron Judge and arguably our best player and DJ LeMahieu. Those two players are going to need to be re-signed before the season even ends. DJ's contract's up at the end of the year. I believe Aaron's up at the end of the year as well. We need to reevaluate what the fuck we're going to do. 
Garrett Cole's locked up. Aaron Hicks is locked up. This is Brett Gardner's last year. CeCe retired. A lot of these contracts are expiring, and a lot of these players are coming up to get their money, and we better pay them. I don't even know what Gio's contract is. We got to pay Gio, too, because he's the, the man's a vacuum cleaner at third base, and he's got a cannon. And that, that, that batting average, those home runs, those RBIs, his play has been phenomenal at third and behind and and at the plate the man is hitting whatever comes his way he's had a couple of good hits during the season our infield is solid our infield really is solid I shat on Luke Voigt of course earlier at the what the third or fourth game because he was struggling and that man's got like five four home runs this season he's got a grand slam Gio Urshela's got a grand slam we got Mike Ford behind Gio Urshela. Excuse me, Mike Ford behind uh, Luke Voigt. And Mike Ford's a tank too. Mike and Luke at first. We have DJ over playing second or, or short. We have Glaber. No, Glaber's playing short. DJ's playing second. And then Gio's at third. And Gary behind the plate and catcher. Our infield is literally disgusting. We have phenomenal fielders, and everybody there on that I just listed, other than Gary Sanchez, has a phenomenal bat. And when Gary's hot, he's scary. I get it. But I'm not willing to bet or be okay with or settle for Gary being awful for 40 games and then him being on a tear for a spring, or, or should I say a streak of 20. It's less than 50% of the games, and we're going to the postseason. Gary just doesn't do it for us in the postseason. The numbers show it. So, I mean, until he shows me something, until that man steps it up and does something for me to say, all right, let me, you know, let me shut up. Let me eat my words. I ain't changing it. We have too many good players on this team that we need to re-sign, including some of those people in the bullpen. I'm pretty sure Zach Britton's contract's coming up. I'm pretty sure Chad Green's going to get a nice little payday. I'm pretty sure Tommy Canehill's at the end of this season, he was coming to uh, get a contract. I hope we re-sign him for something small. Just to get him back. Because that man's a savage out of the bullpen. His energy, his electricity, his mindset, all of it. Fire. And we have a lot of young players that we need to give money. So, Paxton, figure it out. J.A. Happ, you got to get to going. Because that trade ended up not panning out the way that I hoped it would. That lefty coming out of Toronto. Who else? Clint Frazier, the inconsistency with the fielding, but the bat is there. The Yankees continue to disrespect him. I don't understand why he's not on our roster, and Miguel Duhar is. I'm going to say it. I know a lot of people disagree with me. I don't really give a shit. Miguel Duhar, in my personal opinion, if we talk baseball, you know that I've been saying he is a one-year wonder. He had that year with Glaber where he led the league in doubles or was like second in the league in doubles. Him and Glaber had that incredible two-tone or two-time in rookie year where they were both just roping and then of course he 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 had surgery on his shoulder was it labrum I don't remember exactly what the injury was and he missed all of last season and Gio came in and Gio took the third baseman spot from him what has it been his fourth game at left field he can't field the ball for shit I literally watched him get a routine ground ball to left field and he missed the ball I get it Fourth career game at left field. It's going to take a long time. I don't, in my opinion, I don't have time to waste. Errors like that are too costly. I don't have time. And I know you're probably saying, yo, didn't you just say Clint's got to work on his fielding too? Yeah, but at least Clint ropes. At least Clint has played left field his whole life, so Clint will get better. Brett's going to retire. We have Talkman out there. Talkman plays utility around the around the outfield. I just don't understand. We're wasting our time. We should have traded in Duhar when we had the chance. And we should have traded him for DeGrom. Whatever that package was that would have excluded Glaber Torres, I say we should have taken that opportunity and gotten DeGrom. Miguel and Duhar, in my opinion, is only going to show to continue to be worse, or should I say get worse, with time and left. He's been out of the game for a long time, so it's going to take him a long time to get back into the groove of facing, you know, MLB level pitchers and getting back into a rhythm of hitting the baseball consistently and whatever have you, the confidence. We don't have time. We have 60 games. I can't afford to see you struggling and going 0 for 3 and 0 for 2 and then getting pulled for Talkman every other game. 
Clint Frazier needs to be called up, given the opportunity. Shout out to Mike, because Mike is probably the biggest Clint Frazier fan I know. I don't know why, but he is, and he supports him. And Clint Frazier's shoe game is fuego. That's another passion of mine for, for those of you that aren't aware. Massive sneakerhead. I don't know if I've mentioned it in the previous episodes. Happy to say that I'm now getting lost in the amount that I have. This being number eight. I can't remember everything I say from every other episode. But yes, big, big, big sneakerhead like I had mentioned about the Air Force Ones that I got. That started a trend that I followed after my father, who was also a sneakerhead. And my younger brother who now customizes and paints his shoes, also has a lot of sneakers. So, you know, sneakerhead all throughout the house, yes. But Clint Frazier, man, you need your shot. When you do get back up to the big leagues, because I know you will, I hope you will, we need you to show out, son. We need you to ball out. I don't want to see no errors in left field. I don't want to see nothing. Do your thing at the plate and do your thing in the field, and we're going to be straight. Because I could see in the future when Brett Gardner retires Clint Frazier in left field, Aaron Hicks locked up at center, and Aaron Judge in right field. All three of them have cannons. All three of them. I believe we have someone in the farm system. Me and B- uh, Shout out to Big Kevin Santino. We were talking about uh, Flores. I forget his first name. He's a big tank out there too. Oh, can't remember his name. But, you know, the, the farm system just goes to show. Like I said, Talkman out there is, is a beast. If we don't have Talkman, he doesn't go into the, uh, he walked the other night and then he stole second and then DJ locked him in to tie the game in Boston at, at three or no, at seven. It's just the point that we have so many players out there that need to be focused on that are not Gary Sanchez. And I just, I don't know. I really can't wait. The season is going to excite me (laughs) and I really 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 cannot stress to you guys how much I love Yankees baseball oh Floreal whatever his name is he's I saw him in spring training when I went to that game against Boston last summer with my brother guy's a massive tank he's got power up the wazoo here he's a pretty solid fielder from the reports that I've been reading or not reports the articles Look at me trying to sound like Woj. Shout out to Woj. Um, (laughs) And speaking of Woj, getting into the NBA. uh, The NBA is in full swing. We got, what about, we have five games that we've all, like, been enticed to and glued to the television. I know for a fact, you know, LA versus, LA versus LA, should I say. You know, we had the Zion versus John Morant matchup again. We had the Mavericks versus the Houston Rockets. (coughs) Excuse me. We actually just had... The Suns take out, today, Tuesday, we just had the Suns take out the Clippers with a Devin Booker game-winning shot. Shout out to Nick Novo, biggest Devin Booker fan I know, emulates a lot of his game behind him, loves to play like him. Uh, biggest, Like I said, biggest D-Book fan out there. He hit that shot over Paul George and Kawhi. Um, the Mavs obviously lost to the Rockets over the weekend on Friday. Uh uh, probably one of the highest scoring games I've ever seen from from beginning to end. What was it? One forty nine to one forty one forty nine to one fifty three or one fifty two. We just lost it. We were up by I think about twelve points in the fourth. We were up by six points with like thirty seconds to go, twenty something seconds to go, and we lost the game. We are struggling. We just beat the Kings today in overtime, barely, but it took Luka to drop 34, 20 rebounds, and 12 assists to go out there because KP fouled out in the fourth, and we got it done. Gritty game, tough game, but we got it done, thank God, (laughs) because if we would have lost three in a row, your boy would have lost his fucking mind. We lost to the damn Rockets, and we had that game, you know, I don't know if it was, we lost confidence, we got overexcited, we got cocky, I, I, I have no idea. I really don't, but we lost. Then we went out and lost to Phoenix the next game, and that just looked bad because, again, other than Devin Booker and, I mean, relatively DeAndre Ayton when he feels like showing up, Houston, Houston, Phoenix doesn't really have much, and we lost. And, again, we, we just barely beat the Kings. In my opinion, the Mavs can't defend the pick and roll. In my opinion, uh, I believe that no matter who we face in the playoffs, it's going to be a struggle. And if we p- face either the Lakers or the Clippers, 
and maybe depending on the nuggets that we get, because the nuggets have been hot as of late, especially with Michael Porter Jr. going, what, 37 points, 12 rebounds, on 75% shooting, 6 of 9 from the three-point line. If we get a Michael Porter like that, we're going to be in some trouble. <laughs> Let me tell you, I watched those highlights. That kid's a beast. If he's going to recover from that back injury the way that I hope he does, I really think that kid is something special. Skip Bayless and Shannon were talking about it today. Michael Porter Jr. along with Jokic and Murray, that is a three-headed monster at a very, very young cord age that you do not want to see in a seven-game series. So that's why I say if the Mavs play the one, the two, or the three, we are kind of fucked. (laughs) The way we've been playing, we cannot guard. I'm not trying to get into a shooting match every single game we play. I don't want a shootout game. I need I need us to step up and lock up. I we went and got that we went and got Tim Hardaway Jr. who's been playing exponentially better. Shout out to Rick. That's his boy in 2K for whatever reason. He knows how to kill with the guy. Um I just I really I really couldn't tell you what we're going to do. I don't know what Rick Carlisle's going to do. I know for a fact Luka can't continue to do everything on his own. I know that KP has been on a on a tear as of these past couple of games. The what was it in the Houston game? He had thirty nine and sixteen. The game after that, he had in the high twenties. Today, he had twenty two and seven. For those of you in the New York area that continuously hate on Kristaps Porzingis, I, I again a lot of my friends. I, again, I was just talking to Santino and Kevin earlier today, texting while I was at work, and. We were talking, me and Kevin were talking about the game and how Luca carried us. And then Santino came out of nowhere and said, fuck Luca, the Mavs, and KP. And it's like a lot of New York Knicks fans have a lot of hostility towards Kristaps because of the way he left New York. And, you know, Kristaps got traded last season uh, to us. And that trade with the specifications are Kristaps Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Trey Burke were traded from the Knicks to the Mavs in exchange for Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, and Wesley Matthews. Now, for those of you that are unaware, <laughs> this is what makes me laugh. Um, we still have all four of those players. Yes, we just brought Trey Burke back. I disagreed with the fact that we let him go the first time to go to Philly for the deal that he got. We could have given him that ourselves, but whatever. He's back in the bubble with us, and he went and dropped 32 points in the first game back in a loss in a career night. He went 8 for 10 from the three-point line. Again, I watched that game against Houston Insane. Trey Burke was on fire. Michigan man alongside Tim Hardaway Jr. back then in the day. And that was crazy. Courtney Lee is hurt. I believe he tore a calf muscle working out during the offseason. Obviously, I mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. and Chris Stops. Now, Dennis Smith Jr., I don't know what happened to him. I, I know a family member of his passed away during the season, so I don't know if that mentally got into his head and affected him throughout the rest of the season. I know he was battling a lot of injuries. But the Dennis Smith Jr. on the Knicks is not the Dennis Smith Jr. we drafted. I know that Dennis and Luca had some problems in terms of, you know, who brought the ball up, who got the attention when they did play together before the trade happened. But Dennis was still putting up points. Dennis was still playing and hustling. I loved it, that draft pick at 7th or 8th overall out of North Carolina State. I loved that J. Cole was coming to Mavs games. I thought that was kind of dope. Um, but, you know, Dennis Smith Jr., I wish him nothing but the best. I hope one day he comes to Dallas, you know, maybe to re-energize his career or, or whatever. But... You know, like I said, Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, and Wesley Matthews. DeAndre obviously is out there in Brooklyn, tested positive for COVID, chose to opt out for the season, so he's not playing. And then you have Wesley Matthews over there that played with the Knicks, got released, and then signed with the Bucks, and he is currently playing on the Bucks roster as well. But it's the point. The Knicks also got draft picks, I believe, two first rounders. And other than that, the Knicks are still at the bottom of the East. I'm, I'm not talking smack, I'm speaking facts. We won the trade hands down. The Knicks always find a way to plummet in the offseason. Oh, we're going to get the top free agent. Oh, we're going to get two good free agents. Oh, we're going to get we're going to get Taj Gibson and we're going to get Julius Randle and we're going to get Wayne Ellington. <laughs> and we're going to get Alfred Payton and you know, we draft Kevin Knox and Frank Nitalikina or however you pronounce his last name. Oh, we got David Fisdale as our head coach. He's a, he's a players part. He's a players coach. He's a he's a he's a phenomenal young, fresh mind that did a lot of good things in Memphis. Fired him. Now you have Thibodeau, Mike Woodson coming back again. I, I wish nothing bad upon the Knicks. I'm just saying, we win that trade ten out of ten times. Uh, Porzingis has been healthy all year. Knock on wood. Knock on whatever. I have to black magic. Cross my fingers. Um. 
Porzingis stays healthy, we win that trade hands down. Yeah, we're paying him a, a boatload of money, but for him putting up the points that he's been putting up, him playing the way that he's been playing, um, I think we won. Tim Hardaway Jr. is averaging like 14, 15 points a game this season. Courtney Lee was giving us some decent time off the bench. I, if we had to get rid of any of them, I said Courtney Lee could be the one to go because we had some decent shooting guard and small forward depth. But he does play some solid defense and can hit a couple of shots when need be. But I, I again, I said Trey Burke was that perfect fit when Devin Harris left the team and when J.J. Barea retires. Kind of that, that small spark off the bench if need be at point guard. Uh, better shooting stroke than JJ. Um, I wouldn't say better court vision because Trey's definitely more of a scorer. But I really did like Trey's game, and when we let him go in the offseason, I was upset. But the point of the matter is that KP trade, the way that KP's been playing. I mean, what did he have? We had, he had 19.8 points, so 20 points per game, two blocks per game, uh, just just under two assists a game. He's not. It's not really one of those facilitators like a lot of people. 78 percent from the three point line, or 78 percent. From the free throw line, he is shooting 35% from the three-point line, a total of 42% from the field, and I mean, what what do we got here? Uh, I can't seem to find it, of course. Where the hell? Oh, total rebounds a game, uh, (laughs) 9.6. The numbers are there. I really don't know what else to say, you know what I'm saying? Like The the fact that people are really going to try to argue that we, we lost that trade... Yeah, they got two first-round picks, but New York always finds a way to botch those. I was actually just talking again to Kevin Santino on the same exact conversation where they said they should have drafted Michael Porter Jr., and I know a lot of people were skeptical because of that back surgery and didn't know how he was going to didn't know, excuse me, how he was going to pan out, but it's the point, you know, they went and drafted Kevin Knox out of Kentucky. I mean, he had a good summer league, but other than that, yeesh, good luck. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the point I have no beef towards New York fans. I'm from New York. I've always cheered for the Knicks because it's the hometown team, but I've always been a Mavs fan. It's just, I don't know. They continue to talk smack and roast the Mavs and roast KP and continue to hold on to that anger because he left and he wasn't happy. Whatever. My opinion, again, no disrespect to no Knicks fans. I got to get over it and focus on your shitty fire dumpster of a team. Because Tom Thibodeau is not going to fix everything. He will fix the defensive mentality. He will fix how your players think. You have a lot of young players on that team. That mindset is key. You have Mike Woodson coming back to help with the coaching staff. You got a lot of young players that are really good on that team. Obviously, you got you know Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson. You have Dennis Smith, healthy, hopefully fully loaded next season. Julius Randle at the four, if he can stop being stupid. Uh, oh, God, how could I miss? You guys signed Bobby Portis, too. You guys signed one of the Morris brothers or traded for one of the Morris brothers. I don't know why he ended up going to L.A. One of the L.A. teams I can never keep up with which twin is which. It's just, you know, you guys got to really get stuff done, man. Y'all got to focus and stop shitting on other teams. You're always at the bottom of the conference talking the most smack. You're giving New Yorkers a bad name, man. Just because you lose doesn't mean you got to bash everybody else. So it's just, you know, the Yankees, the Mavs, postseason is coming coming around the corner for the for the for the for the NBA. Baseball, obviously, still got its thing going full swing. I'm just so excited for the season to continue. Obviously. You have um, the NHL's playoff swing in full motion. I'm pretty sure the Rangers lost two or three in a row. We're young. We have a lot to learn. I don't really talk about hockey a lot on this cast, but I mean, I probably should. (laughs) I don't really follow it too much, but it is what it is. My last segment, and I told you guys I'd bring it up. The dumbass overall top 100 list. I've had about enough when I saw the top five. I'm over it. I give absolutely zero fucks about this list. But I'm going to talk about it again anyway because it's fucking stupid. The number one player in the NFL is Lamar Jackson. Shout out to Brandon Sanchez, the only actual real Ravens fan I know. Um, No disrespect to you, big dog, but there's no way your boy is the number one player in the NFL. He won an MVP. He had a great season last year. Historical numbers. Broke Michael Vick's rushing record. Cool. Kudos. Congratulations, all into in the playoffs. Sorry, it is what it is. It's a fact. Then you got, what, Aaron Donald or Russell Wilson, and then Aaron Donald, Russell Wilson, fine. He's been disgusting since he's got drafted. I called him taking the starting job. 
in Seattle when he got drafted out of Wisconsin. I said it. I said it. I knew it was coming. I just, I really did. But he's been on a tear. Two Super Bowl appearances, one Super Bowl win. You say he hands off that ball to Marshawn Lynch against the Patriots, and they he's got two Super Bowls in three years. I <laughs> I don't know what people want me to say. I really don't. You know, like that guy. Yes, he belongs in the spot that he's in. Aaron Donald, top player in the NFL, in my opinion, and in regards to all around player performance, game changer on the defensive tackle portion. You line him up with any offensive guard, any offensive, you know, center or tackle, eight out of ten times, depending on who it is, he's probably going to get by you, and they're going to need a double, or they're going to need a chip from the back, or even the tight end, or both, because <laughs> he's, the man trains with knives, not sharpened knives, but one, I'm pretty sure one of his coaches a few years ago had him training how to block knives to practice his hand speed, wild, just insane, who the fuck does that, anyway, um, and then of course, Pat Mahomes is four, Patrick Mahomes is number four on the NFL's best players. I'm sorry, the Pat Mahomes that threw for 50 touchdowns? The Pat Mahomes that won an MVP? The Pat Mahomes that won a Super Bowl? The Patrick Mahomes that continues to make sports center top plays every time he touches the goddamn ball? The Pat Mahomes that can throw a football probably 150 million yards? That Pat Mahomes is fourth to Lamar's first. To me, Pat just can't run as fast. That's the only thing that he has over Pat. Who the hell needs to run fast when you're winning games like him? Yes, the Ravens went 13-3 and or 14-2 and last year, whatever they did. Kudos, congratulations. You also had a great defense, too. Lamar Jackson had one season. Pat has three under his belt. Come on. On. We're really sitting here talking about this right now. We're really sitting here and arguing this right now. This is what the NFL has come to. It takes one good season to have you take the ranks over the defending, or should I say the reigning Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who also missed three games last year due to a dislocated kneecap and still came back early and dominated the league. I'm just saying. Come on, man. Just because you win MVP doesn't give you the damn right to be called the best player in football. It's like when a quarterback wins the Heisman. I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago with my girlfriend's family. We were trying to name Heisman Trophy winners, Heisman Trophy quarterbacks that have really gone out there and done something. No. (laughs) No. It's the same thing. Just because you win an award doesn't make you the best. Because the next season you could be a flop. The next season you could have a slump. God forbid, but get hurt. Pat Mahomes has done this since he's got since he's touched an NFL football. He has destroyed the competition. People can make the argument, oh, Lamar Jackson, when he was in in his first year, in the rookie year, or whatever have you, when, when he took over for Joe Flacco and he went into the postseason, he, he, he led them back. He made it a close game. No, 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 no. The man had, I think, what, four total turnovers that game with fumbles and interceptions combined? He didn't do it. And then he, 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 he struggled against the Titans, who were a good team. But the Ravens were, in my opinion, better. Derrick Henry was the game-changing factor, and I believe Ryan Tannehill had, like, barely over 100 yards throwing in that game and two touchdowns. <laughs> you lost to Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. Or should I say Derrick Henry and the Titans. Shout-out to Big Henry uh, going to get that bag. Um, the point is, I just it just furthers my point that that list is a crock of basura. For those of you that don't speak Spanish, basura means garbage. Garbage, but I, I I don't know who made the list. I don't care who made the list. Go reevaluate your life. Go somewhere. Put your head in the sand and, and, and think how you managed to fuck up an easy number one. Pat Mahomes is only getting better with every single passing game that goes. Pretty sure I watched something about him being on the shop, that HBO special with Braun and all of them in the barbershop and him talking, and he was literally saying how he didn't learn to read defenses till the end of last season. The fact that the man got an MVP in that year and said that he was still learning how to read a defense, that's it. Like, it's a wrap. The man's going to run the league. 
the man is going to run the league. Now, I don't agree with Tyreek Hill going about saying what he said and saying that they're going to be like a dynasty and they're going to go out there like Jordan's Bulls and they're going to go to five, six, or seven Super Bowls. You sound like Braun. Not five, not six, not seven. Lost to the Mavs, by the way, 2011 champs. Yes, sir. Dirk Nowitzki finals MVP. But anyway, um, yeah, you, you, you can't say things like that, Cheetah. You, you really can't. Even though you're out here racing Chad Ochocinco and Terrell Owens, which, by the way, that video, if you haven't seen it, look it up. T.O. at like 46. Shout out to Rob. We were talking about it a few weeks ago also. I, the man was running like a 4-4. T.O. at 46 was running a 4-4. Remember a few years ago when T.O. made it into the Hall of Fame and was still tweeting and mentioning out there to, to, the, to the public like, yo, I'd be down to come out of retirement and still show these kids what to do. If he's running a 4-4 at 46, three years ago, three years younger, Terrell Owens still could have made an NFL roster. To me, today, Terrell Owens could still make an NFL roster. Like, that video scares me. I know that I'm just talking about speed, but we all know he's got the physicality. The man is very well kept in terms of, you know, shape and and conditioning. And he's still out here racing the fastest receiver in the NFL. And mind you, Tyreek... Tyreek won the race, but Terrell Owens was still doing what he was doing. You know, I just, freak athlete, probably one of the best athletes I've ever seen. The man is just a complete savage, and for that, I I, I commend you, bro. I'm sitting here at 26, and I can barely finish 20 push-ups without gasping for air because of how lazy and out of shape I've gotten. 26, it's a real shame. Damn, I really just shout out myself on my own podcast. That's not that's not good at all to my future kids. If you guys hear this, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I swear I am. Um. Anyway, uh, with that, you know, that's pretty much the conclusion of the episode. I'm pretty sure I got this stat fact. I forgot from where, but I know that I saw it scrolling through, I believe, Twitter once again. Because Twitter always just finds ways to make me... Uh oh, they always find ways to give me information. So the other night, the Bucks played the Rockets, right? The Milwaukee Bucks are the first team in NBA history to lose a game in which they scored 110 points. They scored 116. They held their opponent under 40% shooting. The Rockets shot 39.6%. Had a plus 25 rebound advantage, meaning they had 25 more rebounds than the other team. They had 29 more. And they lost. They lost. Russell Westbrook and James Harden combined for 80. Brody and the Beard combined for 80. And Giannis was getting locked up in some instances by Harden. Like, that was... That was insane. (laughs) I just... That's... I mean, can you really, like... Can you understand that they scored over 110 and they had 29 more rebounds... For those of you that don't understand basketball, they went up and jumped and got the basketball when Houston shot the ball or when they shot the ball. They went and got it again 29 more times than the Rockets did. And the Rockets shot under 40%. Yes, barely under 40. But I mean, field goal percentage, not three-point percentage. That's all the shots they took. Every single person, not including free throws on the Houston Rockets, combined to be under 40% in the basket. (laughs) And the Bucks lost the game. Those teams are now 177 and 1 all time, and the Bucks are that one. And that's the episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I just had to end on something like that. I really wanted to laugh about it. I wanted you guys all to see, or should I say here? Um, come follow me on Instagram, 1046 and 1. I got the channels on Spotify. I got the channels on um Apple Podcasts, obviously on Anchor. If you guys have any questions, you know where to find me. If you guys have any comments or, you know, confusions on where to find it, let me know, even though I just said them. Big kudos and shout out to everyone that's been listening and, of course, giving the feedback. I really do appreciate it. Oh, shout out to my friends that just graduated college. Shout out to my boy Shay, big big Saints fan. Fuck you. Um, Shout out to my boy Bryce. Very proud of you, big guy. Everything that you've accomplished, you've come real far. Got yourself a little girlfriend now. You're still a Giants fan, so you're still struggling in that regard. But uh, big shout-out to you guys, man. Uh, You guys really, really, really have grown up a lot. I know I sound like a fucking dad, 
But, you know, really happy for you both. Really proud of you guys for overcoming everything that COVID threw you away and finishing up the last semester strong. And uh, to anybody else that graduated that I know or that I know dearly, I apologize for forgetting. I probably just, I don't know, it's probably just escaping me. But, uh, yeah, big thanks to everybody again who's listening, everybody who's keeping up. And to those of you that aren't, I don't want to hear it when I get there. I don't want to hear it when I get to the top. Oh, of course, how could I forget? Massive shout-out to my barber, Drew. Uh, he runs his own shop out there off of 41. It's called Master's Men's Grooming Service. All your hair cuttery needs, everything between facials, um, haircuts, and barber needs, uh, trimming your face, everything you need, uh, steam, hot towels, all that stuff. I know I'm forgetting stuff, but, you know, best in town. Shout out to you being from the Bronx, coming out here and doing what you need to do with your family and doing everything that you needed to do from shop to shop to shop to fulfill your dream. Everything that you're willing to accomplish and do, I'm here for it. I support it wherever you move. I've already told you, even if it's across the coast, I'm doing it. You're my boy, you're my dog, and uh, much love to you. And uh, hopefully we get an episode live. I'm trying to get an episode recorded in the shop. And we can do our own version of the shop talk. And hopefully, you know, get a camera out there, maybe live stream it on Twitch, post it on YouTube. Who knows? I don't know. But, you know, the 104.6.1 podcast is making moves out here. We're never going to forget where it started which is where I currently am sitting on my bed, holding the mic to my face because that's the only option I have. But one day we will be somewhere big. One day I will be somewhere big. And uh, I'm not going to forget those of you that supported me from the very, very, very beginning and the bottom. Uh, If you haven't listened, I have the other seven episodes, like I said. Excuse me. God damn, I'm gassy today. I have the other episodes on Spotify. Subscribe to it. Follow it. Do what you need to do. Repost resubmit I don't give a shit Uh, I could use all the attention that I can get and uh, I will see you guys next week 8 a.m. sharp every single Wednesday who knows maybe I'll even do a double episode once every couple of weeks but until then I'll see y'all soon welcome to transforming 45 the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Ravelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.